Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman and Associates. Now here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thank you again for joining me this week. Okay, so my first motivational quote or my motivational quote for this week um, that's relevant to our conversation is, if you don't design your own life plan, chances are you'll fall into someone else's plan. And guess what they have planned for you? Not much. And that's by Jim Rohn. Uh, today's topic, my guest, Tom Zicolo, uh, will discuss that, that changes happen, how you respond will impact your future, and how we really can control our own plan for the future. We're going to discuss uh, several things. First, my guest um, had a 29-year career at the Associated Press, uh, come to the end at, a, at midlife. I, guess, I think he was 56. Tom can confirm that later. Uh, kids are in college. He's accumulating his own school debt to kind of repurpose himself. And one day he wakes up and says, you know what, I want to be a children's author. So I can't wait to hear that story. Uh, I want to discuss how he feels now that he has embarked on this, you know, longtime dream for him of being published. And we're going to discuss, um, and he's going to share some advice that may give anyone going through a bad time in their life to help you guys find the light at the end of the tunnel to stay focused and positive and possible resources to help in your journey. And then the last thing, you know, I love to include those how-to steps or action steps uh, for anyone going through those major life changes or career changes to help you find your sole purpose or your life purpose. So we're going to talk to Tom and see how he, um, you know, kind of came up with something that probably had been in the hopper for many, many years. Uh, Tom is a kindergarten teacher in um, Chaplain Charles J. Waters School Number 24 in Jersey City, New Jersey and also the author of a children's book series that's going to be coming out this month. Uh, he feels that he has, he has the perfect audience for his new children's book series and is ready to embark on this new career as an author. In addition to the children's category, Tom is also going to be releasing some adult titles, so all, us older folks can um, enjoy as well. Poetry, short stories, science fiction book, and a murder mystery as well as a screenplay, so he is quite talented. He has operated a baseball academy for more than 20 years. My son, my 18-year-old son, actually did the uh, T-ball academy way back when. I think he was five at the time, so uh, Tom's been doing this for many years. He works two additional part-time jobs as an instructor uh, for um, a driving school, uh, Gene's Driving School, uh, Ron happens to be a friend of mine as well. What a small world. We didn't realize that until Tom and I chatted. And he also has a seasonal job at a wine school. So Tom is really all about teaching and um, helping people kind of find their uh, their purpose in school, teaching these kindergarten kids. So with that, please help me welcome this creative, very energetic, which you'll see a very energetic man, my uh, buddy, Tom Zicolo. So Tom, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me on the show. I know. Are you excited about the book? I'm very excited about the book. As a matter of fact, um, this past weekend I received my delivery of 250 copies of each of the two books in the three-book series. So Yay. Wow, it's real, to, right? Um, <clears throat> I had an opportunity to um, autograph the first two copies for my twin uh, niece and nephew, uh, oh. Joseph and Lara Ungaro. And oh. they turned eight, and um, it was a little, you know, side gift for them. But they, uh, they were 
astounded. You know, they they loved the illustrations, uh, and they were anxious for me to read from the two texts. Oh, isn't that that? First of all, it's very precious. Were they impressed? Like, did they think you were a rock star? Like, you're an author. Are they too young I don't know to if realize they really that? Really grasp that concept? They I mean they they know that their uncle is very athletic as far as sports goes, and and has a great sense of humor. Um, so they they appreciate that. Um, I mean, I'm sure they've had authors read to them before, but it's you know now it's someone in their family. Yeah, I yeah. think their older sister, who's you know a teenager, probably appreciates it a little bit more. But and she's also an aspiring writer. Oh, that's so cool. Did she did she ask you a million questions? The older one. Uh, she certainly did. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you love that? When all of a sudden it's like, hmm, they're t- these kids are taking an interest in me and they're asking you all these questions. But what a great resource for her, you know, as she develops her writing career. Yeah, she's bounced a couple of her projects off me uh, to just to see, you know, how I reacted to uh, pieces that she's written. And uh, she's she's very good. I think she's love well it. on her way. Oh, that's so nice. That's awesome. Right, right, a writing family. We're going to call you the writing family. All right, so my first question I have for you is, you had this 29-year career come to an end. Were you 56, was I right, or were you younger um, when it came? No, I, I believe I was 51 at the time. Okay, so you're 51, so midlife, right? You had one or two kids in college. Uh, yes, my oldest was, was in college, and then um, shortly thereafter, there was an overlap, meaning but there were two of my, my two oldest children, uh, Vinny and, uh, and Allie, were both in college um, at the same time. Okay, so no pressure there. And then you wake up one day and you say, you know, I've always wanted to do this. I think it's the time I'm going to be a children's author. So just share with everybody that story of how... You really wanted to be an author, I think, for many, many years, and how you had things kind of on the side and what have you. So just explain to everybody how that came out. Sure. I started writing in uh, short stories and poetry in high school, and it's a way of impressing the ladies, uh, especially if you go out <laughs> on a date and you can uh, come up with some poetry as well as uh, I don't know, flowers, candy. So um, I was kind of mushy as far as that stuff goes. So um, very they, the young ladies were very impressed. Uh, with poetry. So that's where I started. And uh, when I went to college, I basically knew that journalism was the the field of study. And so I was an assistant sports editor for my college paper and continued to write creatively. Uh, We had literary uh, magazines that were um, produced by the students and the staff every year. And I had at least two pieces, one piece of poetry and one short story in each of those. And I had a professor in college who noticed a certain flair and, you know, with with doing the newspaper writing plus the creative writing. And, you know, he definitely encouraged me to um, continue to write and to think about a career in journalism. And that was when, was it the, the encouragement by the professor or you really knew deep down that you had to do this? No, I, I would say he kind of reinforced, you know, uh, a belief that I had, you know, mm-hmm. that journalism was, was the, the route that I was going to take because I did major in, in, uh, in journalism and I minded in phys ed. So obviously the sports was still in the back of my mind as well. 
Sure. Um, but journalism was definitely the path, and uh, your college in Jamaica, Queens, was part of the city university system. And journalism, uh, as well as, you know, Queens College was also big on journalism, but your college was the school that I attended. And so I think I was exposed to not only good professors, but also professors that were currently um, still writing. So there was definitely an influence there, but I already thought that I had picked my my career path. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have this deep-rooted love. I think that when you get into college and you know, a professor comments, you kind of, it feels right. You know, you're on the right path. Okay. So that makes sense. Then you worked again in that field for the Associated Press for the, for the 29 years. How did you come to actually pull the trigger? Cause you had been writing all these years, if I'm understanding this correctly, right? That is correct. What made you pull the trigger and say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to publish. You know, it it didn't initially hit me until I was in graduate school, part of my retraining and re-education, because obviously Mm. when um, I switched gears from journalism to education, I had to go back to school to obtain a teacher certification. So when I was attending graduate school, there was a professor, um, Jacobson, who was also uh, my supervisor for student um, teaching when I was uh, completing my education. And he was introducing um, books in general on how to introduce text to the classroom, like you know how would, mm. how you would, um, I guess, warm up students. And one of the the stories that he that he read from was a children's book, and it just the bells and whistles went off in my head, and I was like, wow, wow, I had this project completed, at least the um, the writing part. Um, was already on, on, on the side. And um, it, it just, it stimulated me at that point in time that this is something that I thought um, I could bring to the um, the forefront. You know, Isn't that uh, interesting? Did you ever think of writing the children's book before going back for your own education with the masters, again, to kind of repurpose yourself? Had you thought about children's books prior to that? Well, the, the, the nucleus for the children's book series was my sister was 12 and a half years younger than myself. Okay. And I actually coached her classmates from when they were eight until they were 13. And these stories came from those, those uh, folks because um, we were the B team. So I had all Mm -hmm. of the cast offs, you know, Mm -hmm. the, um, the players that the other coach who was the A team had not selected. Sure. And like the um, bad news bears, right? Exactly. That kind exactly, of, yeah. Except, okay. you know, more inner city. And sure. um, the cast of characters that I had um, became the characters in my, in my books. Um, mm-hmm. The first two, one is about a young lady. One is about a young man. The third book is about the entire team. So um, my sister is still in contact with a lot of these um uh, former classmates and also my former um, athletes um, on they're, Facebook. They're adults and, now. Yes, yes, yes. yes okay. So we are at some point in time. We're going to have. Um, I will do a book signing in Queens, probably at a at a public <laughs> library, and we will have a reunion. I love it. Are they, now when they heard that you were embarking on taking these children's novels 
really them. It's their story, right? You just pulled it together from the experiences and kind of almost documented it, I'm sure made it silly and fun and, and inspiring for, for young ones to read. Were they excited like, what? You're writing about us, you know? Well, it, it, it's interesting that you brought that up because I remember doing my baseball academy and I used to do nine classes a week. It would be three evenings of three classes. And this mm-hmm. was a Friday evening, and, and, you know, with my work schedule and all the little side jobs that I have, I was waiting for my last class to appear, and I probably have about a 10 or 15-minute break in between the classes. And right. I was kind of down on one knee, and you can almost feel like somebody was looking at you, and there was someone kind of hovering over me. And I kind of looked up, and, you know, you want to be polite, but again, you, you know, you already had a, a very busy week. And sure. it became a series of questions. Do you know me? And I was like, no, I don't know you. And he, and he said, well, you have to go into your past. And you're thinking, you know, a lot, a lot of things are, are flashing through your head. Um, illegitimate children. Um, do I know anybody any money? You know, uh, so these are the things that are going through my head. And again, you know, I only have a couple of minutes before my next class is coming. I'm standing there with a the clipboard, you know, getting ready to take attendance. And he said, you have to go back to Queens. And I was like, okay. And, um, you know, as, as, and he mentioned baseball, you know, and I said, as a player, as a coach, as a manager, again, we're playing, you know, kind of 10 questions. Sure. And he kept, you know, narrowing it down. And I still was not able to recollect this, you know, gentleman. This person. Yeah. And finally he just blurted out his name. And, and, and then of course I said, Oh yeah, I, I do remember you. And I said, you're still as hyperactive as you were when you were on my team. And <laughs> he was kind of bouncing around and he, he was so excited because his son was going to, I was going to be his, his son's first baseball coach. And I was Aww. his first baseball coach. Aww. So he was very, very bubbly and, and excited his wife and his son did not share in that enthusiasm. He basically pushed them at me. And, you know, again, um, they were not, you know, the same mindset that he had. And I happened to mention to him about the children's book series, and then he totally lost it. You know, he was, if he was excited before, he was now, he couldn't even contain himself. So, yes, and he said, oh, my God, I'm I'm in contact with every one of these people, and we keep in contact on Facebook, and that's how I found about you, because we moved from Queens to New Jersey, and, oh, and wow. when I heard that you did this baseball academy, I had to, you know, come and, and see you again and, and, and bring my son, and so, yes, yes, they, they that individual um, definitely shares an enthusiasm, um, and the young lady that's Basically, one of the books is, um, you know, is definitely this young lady, although, you know, the name has been changed, you know, in the sure, book. Sure, to protect the innocent. <laughs> of course. Yes. Um, and and my sister actually ran into her, and, and this young lady was bartending uh, at an establishment in Queens, and she said, you tell your brother that if it wasn't for him and for my parents, I never would have gone as far as I did in sports. because of that encouragement, because of that um, nurturing and um, never saying no when, you know, when I wanted to take extra fielding or batting practice or, uh, you know, uh, she knew that I would always want to talk baseball and it didn't matter how late it was, uh, whether the sun was, you know, shining or not, whether the sun was was rising or setting, she knew that, you know, I would uh, 
continue to answer her questions. And of course, if she wanted to take extra, you know, uh, batting or fielding practice, I was there for that as well. Yeah, and it's it's clear, you know, Tom, just to hear you talk about the baseball and the writing, your enthusiasm really does come through loud and clear. You can feel that energy. So I can only imagine this, you know, young lady who you know, maybe it was a little awkward and, and what have you, for you to continue to build her confidence and work with her and be enthusiastic. And, um, you know, how do you not forget people like that in your life? Um, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, I'm curious, you mentioned your sister, but you didn't mention how she feels about the book. So think about that. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Okay, we are back. We are talking to Tom Piccolo, who has just launched a, a lifetime dream of having a children's book, and it's actually a series. So your sister is one of the characters, or we won't ask you which character. No, but my sister one is the... not one of the characters. Oh, she's not? I thought no, she was no. on the team. No, no, no. Uh, her classmates were, and uh, well, I don't want to give too much away of one of the books, but there was a young lady who wanted to play baseball. Um, but was refused. So the title of one of the books is Why Can't Girls Play Baseball? Oh, I love it. Can, I, I, I don't want you to give away the books because I want everybody to go out and buy them. We're gonna, Absolutely. We'll, we'll tell everybody at the end how to find you and how to find the book, um, especially if they have. And the reading level of the books, just so everybody who has children can start thinking, um, fifth grade, sixth grade, um, I would say it's it's elementary and it's probably inclusive from five until to thirteen. Um, mm-hmm. One of the stories is about the young lady um, from when she started to play mm-hmm. until she went to adulthood. So obviously, um, I think elementary school children um, could follow the the text. I would say probably. K to four, you know, might have a little difficulty with you know some of the words. But they the certainly can appreciate certainly the illustrations. But sure, I would sure. say everyone else, five to eight, um, would be able to read the text and enjoy that as well. Very cool. Now, I the illustration, you mentioned the illustration twice, yes. so I certainly want to give kudos to. Can you share with everyone how, you know, that book kind of got written? It was in the three-ring binder. How did you find the illustrator to bring it to life for you? See, that was the thing. The uh, the written part of the books was done, of course, by me, but there were no illustrations. So um, my task, was, of course, was to add the illustrations because, um, you know, you wouldn't want a children's book series to, to lack, you know, in uh, the pictures to go along with the text. Sure. 
Um, sure. I was lucky enough to be commuting with, um, at the time, 13 other teachers because there was a van of 14 people, and one of them happened to be a high school um, art teacher. And wow. I noticed that he was doing sketches, like caricatures, of some of the people in the van. And I approached him, uh, and I said, Marty, his name is Marty Mayo, I said, Marty, uh, would you be interested in doing a children's book series? Um, I, you know, I'm hunting for an illustrator, and I really like, you know, some of the, the sketches that you have done of, you know, some of the people in the van. Sure. And, uh, you know, we we embarked on that, uh, you know, I basically gave him a description of, of the characters, and in some cases, pictures, you know, so you have an oh, idea. Oh, wow. And um, he started to do some, you know, light sketches, and, you know, we kind of communicated back and forth. And at one point in time, um, I would say close to completion, um, we had some creative differences, you know, which uh, creative people and creative of minds Of course. Times. The process, sure. And um, he kind of dropped the ball. And um, I have the pleasure of working with a, a co-teacher who has done murals, you know, in my school. Oh, um, wow. And um, I noticed in, in, in the class when, you know, Writing is obviously my forte, but when it came to doing any kind of pictures on an easel, I'm mm -hmm. reduced to stick figures, and my students <laughs> know that, and, you know, there's Miss France, her name is Blanca France, she became my second illustrator, but at that time, wasn't my illustrator, she was just my co-teacher, she would just come in and design, you know, lickety-split, you know, be able to wow. do draw a picture or a flower sure. or an animal. And I right, was amazed. Right. I was amazed. My students were amazed. And I said, I think I need to talk to this young lady about possibly oh. finishing the project. And when I approached her, she was um, definitely interested. And she did a marvelous job of completing some of the light sketches and um, turning these books into a, a reality. Wow. You know, I, I talk on my shows a lot about the universe and how it really does conspire to give us what we need. And that was just a great story of you were seeking and kind of putting it out there and boom, like magic almost, here's this person that, you know, is an illustrator or a tremendous artist too. You had two that, you know, came through your path without really having to, you know, network, you know, an artist, you just, boom, they were there. I think that's awesome. Now, I want to make sure I'm understanding this. So the, the artist, the most recent illustrator that finished the project with you and yourself, you teach in the classroom together now. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> All right. So are your kids, now that you're being published, because they're kindergarten, I shared that you're a kindergarten teacher, are the kids, like, bouncing off walls that the two of you you know, have this book coming to life? Well, basically, I never let them forget how blessed they are. That they have <laughs> two teachers, one being a writer and one being an artist, yeah. as their teachers. Because remember, yeah. we teach kindergarten all day long, the same children, and we teach, you know, every subject. Yeah. So I keep telling them that they should be extremely proud um, of their teachers because of our backgrounds. Yeah, and how remarkable. Here's the thing that's almost ironic. 
that the two of you ended up together who are both very creative, but your creative outlets are very different. And yet, bam, when you bring them together, the, the, um, the power of that combination for these kindergarten kids has to be nuts. What is back to school night like when the parents come in? Well, it's interesting that you say that because um, we, uh, once a month, parents come in between the hours of 9 to 11, you know, like I think it's one Wednesday every every month they come in. And Uh once I had the sample books, I actually put them on little stands on my desk. So when the parents came in, I kind of steered them towards the books. And they knew that they were in process, but they didn't know, like, how far along they were. Sure. um, they picked them up and they were just absolutely amazed. And one mom said to me, I have to tell you something, Mr. Zicolo, because my daughter dragged me to Staples at 7 o'clock one night because she wanted to buy material so that she could make you a book because she told <gasps> me that her teacher and teachers, I should say, were, put, were putting books together and she wanted to put <sighs> a book together. Is to that, see, you. talk about inspiration, right? There you go. Yes, absolutely. And the mother took, then, I hope, the child to Staples to get them supplies. Uh, she certainly did. And there, you know, there were two young ladies that actually presented me with books that they produced for me and for Miss France. Um, and awesome. so, of course, I was um, tickled pink. Uh, you know, here's the thing, as a creative person yourself and this love, this passion, you know, that you have for the writing and Miss France, you said her name is? Yes, Blanca France. Okay. And she has this passion and this gift. I mean, they're gifts, really, um, to be this artist and then to have kids respond in such a passionate way um, because of your passion. That's that to me is also a gift that not only, you know, you the writer, she the artist, but that the two of you combine and create that passion within their little kids, their their kindergarten. And to have them respond it, that we need more teachers like this, uh, you know, in the world who just inspire that whole um, desire or byproduct of who you are. And, and I, everybody listening, Tom, can you come across loud and clear as passionate and clearly you love these kids clearly you love um you know writing but but for them you know it's for kids and and the coaching piece it's always been for kids for you how many kids do you have three or four i have three um my right. oldest uh vincent is 24 he is a recent graduate from university of delaware civil engineer um he nice. actually now resides in um, south carolina in charleston south carolina Wow. And my oldest daughter is 21, Allie, and uh, she is a junior at uh, Montclair University. Nice. And she is um, studying business and fashion merchandising. Interesting combination. That's a good thing. And then my youngest daughter, Isabel, is um, 17, a junior at Homedale High School. And she wants to be and always has wanted to be a, a marine biologist. Wow. Isn't that remarkable that these kids know? I think girls are more focused than boys as far as um, the career passing at a younger age. I think they're just more more focused. Um, that's, see, that's amazing. So you've instilled the love of learning in your children as well, which I think is another job of parenting, right, for us um, today. All right, so another question, and then, we're, then we'll take a, a quick break also. But 
okay, so now this longtime dream being published, finally happening, the, the, again, the sketching, the, uh, the artwork came together with it. How do you feel inside? Are you a little nervous? Are you excited? You know, are things going wrong? Like, what does that feel like? Well, I think the nervousness was, you know, making an investment right before the Christmas holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, an investment that, you know, I had to think twice about. When you self-publish, obviously, you're you're financing the entire operation. Mm-hmm. And um, I I think that there are two things that that really, I mean, obviously, you're 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 on a budget. And the second one was whether I wanted to deal with a U.S. company or deal with a foreign company because most yes. U.S. publishers use um, overseas um, publishing houses. Mm-hmm. And um, I am not a big fan of outsourcing. And um, mm-hmm. I felt a sense of pride that on my copyright page that it says not only made in the USA but printed in the USA. So I searched Absolutely. for a U.S. publisher, found one in Missouri, uh, who uses a uh, a printer in Indiana? So, oh wow! Uh, very happy about that. Also, that they were on Central Time, and I was able to communicate with them on a nightly basis. Whether I had to deal with production, uh, art department, PR. Um, so these people were reachable. Again, human voice, not not voicemail, not email. Um, it was um, not face to face, but certainly the contact that I was looking for. And I had a very good experience uh, with Myra Publishing, and um, I highly recommend them to anyone That's awesome. who's thinking about self-publishing. That's awesome. You know, and, and there's something to be said for the whole USA and the pride and, and all of that stuff. It, you know, this is your creation. It's your, it really is your baby, you know, from start to finish. And it's, it's a chapter in your life when you, you know, you coach these, these younger children. Um, so I think that's a very cool decision um, to make. Uh, we're going to pause here for one quick second, and I just want to comment. And I want to ask everyone who's listening or who, who tunes in to the different shows, um, I really want to hear from you guys. Please, please email me. Um, your thoughts, your comments, ideas, your stories, your uh, challenges that you face and how change has maybe derailed you or snuck up on you and you had to shift gears like Tom did, right, 26 years or 29 years in the publishing company and then all of a sudden reinventing to go back to become a teacher literally at midlife. So how many people have stories? I'd love to hear them. So email me at Connie at WhitmanAssos.com. Of course, you can go to my website. I give a ton of of, of free information. Use me as a resource. Go to www.WhitmanAssos.com. And of course, through the website, you can connect with me through the different blogs I have. And I really try to, like I try to bring relevant um, guests on to comment on these topics. I also try to do that on all of my social media, my digital platforms, so that you guys use me as a resource. But you've got to talk to me. You have to tell me what kinds of topics that you're seeking because I really want to make sure that I'm responsive and delivering what you guys are looking for. 
I really do want to help you uh, figure out a way to change your life and, and approach change in a comfortable manner. And I, I think I'm pretty good at helping uh, clients do that or people do that in general. So again, go to my website, www.whitmanassos.com. Email me, Connie, at WhitmanAssos.com, or you can even call me directly, my number is 732-888-1420. And I promise Tom is going to give all his info, how to get the book um, at the end of the show as well. So stay tuned for that. All right. So I have another question, uh, Tom, just to entice people. Can you share the storyline? You shared a little bit about, it was about the, the two individuals and then the last book in the series is about the team can you share because you already said they were they were kind of the misfits not that's my word that's not yours that they were um, not chosen by the a team here you had this b team can you share some of the things and the successes that you guys did as the quote unquote b team well i would say that you know the nucleus of the team they weren't as skilled as you know some of the other um players on the the A team because mm-hmm. um the other coach um I believe his dad was in charge of the entire organization so he basically chose the, the players he wanted including his own son and mm-hmm. um whatever whoever was left you know on the roster mm-hmm. were the uh the the nucleus of of my team um, but, there, you know, the two individuals in particular, again, a young lady who was basically being told that baseball was too dangerous and they were not going to allow her to play. Um, the parents said that, Tom? Um, no, this is what the league said. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, again, not to try to give away too much of the book, but, you know, okay. I found some loopholes um, to keep her on the team. So I'll I'll leave it at that. Um, The young man um, was of Asian descent and was kind of pushed into baseball by his mom and his grandmother. They wanted him out of the house, get some fresh air, you know, socialize, and basically had no skills um, Mm -hmm. because, again, was not really exposed to sports. His big thing was playing chess and, you know, staying indoors. Um, he was more cerebral, right? He was more cerebral correct, than physical. Correct. And right. when I saw mm-hmm. him on the sideline practicing with his dad and his brother, um, I realized he was not picking up um, <laughs> good skills. Yes, of course. Uh, because they were they weren't any more athletic than than he was. And, but he was so it, cute. It, it transformed. That, that season transformed for him for an individual who was afraid of the ball, who really didn't want to hit the ball, run, field, do anything, you know, that resembled baseball. And by the end of the season, um, he became a hero. Wow. You know, everybody, if you're not good at something, we're, we, the society is so quick to kind of go, yeah, you're not good at that. Let's not, let's not do that. And then here you have someone like yourself. Again, you really are a natural-born teacher, and I think you kind of knew that as well as being a natural-born writer. You you almost had the, the tandem going there. And here you take this kid who's awkward and, again, is more cerebral than athletic and turn him into a hero. You know, that's an awesome – number one, makes for an awesome book. But, yes, this is a book, but there's some – 
there's a lot of truth to the book, right? That the Absolutely. characters' names are changed, but it's it's a true story. So I hope that when people buy this and read it to their children or read it to the younger ones, that that inspiration of you really can do anything you choose to. It doesn't matter where you start. It's the effort, the the passion, the the commitment that you make to anything, right? Isn't that life though? And you know, where does that take you? Where does that that change you um, into the new version of yourself? What you know, I love it. And then just the last book you you said in the series is the whole team, right? That is correct. And you talk about the silly things or successes of the whole team as well in the book? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean okay. each each of the characters, you know, has their own, you know, unique personalities as well as um you know, a, a mindset and 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 skills. You know, everyone develops, you know, over the course of the book, um, sure. as, as players, as people, um, because, you know, initially the support wasn't even, uh, from parents, you know, they, yeah. they saw their, you know, their children failing, you know, on, on the field. And, um, <sighs> you know, the, the A team didn't help the situation because these are um, two teams that attended the same school and, uh, maybe even had the same classes, and obviously the other team was poking fun um, at all the individuals that were on the the B team. It's tragic when you hear this, but here's the reality: parents are listening right now, saying, "Yeah, it happens in my school. Yeah, it's happened to my kid. Yeah, I've seen it happen on you know on the schoolyard or while picking up my kids at school." It's a very sad part of the sports but even academia, that competition piece and how we can um, be mean about it. And I don't mean you and me, you know, but just how kids, where, where do you draw the line and you have to teach them. And I know that this story ends with a success. So we're not going to tell more because we want everybody to read um, the book, certainly. But again, it's that, that commitment, that passion, that perseverance and, and helping kids, you know, I, I think, from everything you're saying, it's about how to teach kids to hold their head high, no matter what the circumstance or how good or bad they are at a, a specific thing. Is that kind of how you inspire? Well, I, I would say the books definitely have life lessons in them. That's awesome. You know, there's there's definitely moral a moral to the stories. Yeah. You know, and, and that they're and that they're a comes, true story makes it more impactful. They come across, you know, in the yeah. stories. Yeah. Now, can I ask, what did your mom and dad do um, when you know for a living when they were younger? Um, well, my mom probably worked um, prior to having children. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. She just became a stay-at-home mom uh, after uh, my birth, and then also you know my sister's birth. My dad mm-hmm. um, juggled several jobs, so obviously I get that work ethic from from my dad um but he was a sound boom man for the um for army pictorial center which means um he made a lot of army training films and it was um which is now the Kaufman studio it used to be um the um headquarters for um all army training films and my dad traveled oh, around cool. the country traveled around the world uh cool. for, you know do, making do you know providing the sound for for these um movies 
Uh, he, he also was involved um, in the making of of a couple of movies, one with uh, Frank Sinatra called The Detective, and then one with um, Robert Redford called uh, Downhill Racer. Um, so the, I actually creativity, the creativity runs in your family, clearly. Yes, and it's funny because when they when when my dad asked me if I wanted to be an extra on on some of the locations I went on, sure. I I did, and he said, "Well, do you do you think you want to be an actor?" I said, "No, Dad, I want to be behind the camera." Oh, so you knew? Isn't that interesting? Were you young, young when you said that? I was probably about five years old. Oh my God, you're scary! You're scary! <laughs> you're you're like an old soul. <laughs> All right, I have another question for you. Sure. So what advice, because really, really, you had major, major life-altering events at midlife, kids in college, that, that whole thing, you know, mortgage, like the rest of the country, um, you had bills coming in and downsizing, job elimination, bam. What advice can you give anyone going through a type of, of, it's a bad time. I mean, it just is what it is in their life and help them kind of find the light at the end of their tunnel. Well, I have to say for me, I mean, obviously it's the first time I was out of the workforce probably since I was 14 years old because I I held the job um, off the books at a deli before I started working my way through high school and college at a supermarket. Um, But, you know, it was was a shock. Um, Mm -hmm. I was out of Month, I was out of work for approximately five months, um, you know, pumping resumes out, you know, um, knocking on a lot of doors, um, but not having success because mm-hmm. um, for the most part, most companies, and of course I wanted to remain in journalism, and most of the companies loved the experience, but they didn't want to pay the salary. Yeah, yeah. So ultimately, even though I would make counter offers of, why don't you give me half and let me prove what I can do, the response was usually, we can hire a couple of college students to do that. Mm. Sad. So, and yeah, I know, I know, it Tom, was, that it was just very, what you just very, said. Very difficult. Yeah. And, but it's... the creative juices were continuing to flow, and that's when I put the finishing touches, uh, went, you know, revisited the children's book series. And um, kind of try, took my mind off it temporarily by mm-hmm. by writing creatively and, and continuing mm-hmm. to, um, you know, work on resumes. And the thing with resumes is that you have to, as, as you go along, especially when you have, you know, negative feedback, constantly mm-hmm. change and revise uh, things in the resume to try to conform to what these potential um, – employers are looking for. I mean, what I did was I I formed my own consulting company um, after I left journalism that focused on resumes, cover letters, doing mock job interviews, um, tutoring, um, advertising, marketing. So, uh, you know, I created that company because I didn't know what direction I was going to go in. And um, I continue to to write resumes and cover letters for individuals. And um, obviously the marketing and advertising is coming in very handy right now. This is yes. the second opportunity of actually using those skills. Um, one was two summers ago when a teacher approached me and said that a publishing house was going to charge her $500 to edit 
her poetry, but it was only going to be typos, misspellings, and grammatical errors. She asked me if I could do it cheaper because um, I was a um, an editor. I said, of course I can. I said, not only that, but I can give you recommendations if I think a stanza sure. needs to be moved, uh, a title change, you know, just some tweaking to the copy. Mm-hmm. Certainly, mm-hmm. I can I can offer that. Mm-hmm. And so um, I spent part of you know that summer working with her on making changes and then also um, helping her put together the um, the book of poetry. And she asked me a lot of questions. Because she, you know, was kind of ignorant on the whole procedure. So this mm-hmm. was prior to me, you know, doing my book series. But um, she found that it was the best $350 she had ever spent. I mean, that only of helped course. her with the editing. But I gave her ideas with advertising and marketing, um, designing the cover, um, what she could and couldn't do, whether she could use her name, not use her name, where she should do a book signing. So she she asked me... She said, wow, you know, this is incredible because no matter what I asked you, you had an answer, whether it was, a, wow. you know, an advertising question, a marketing question. Um, and she said, would you do volume two for me? And I said, of course. Of course. You know, and here's the thing. That's where that 29 years of experience, though, and being around that medium for so many years, you learn so much. And how you take those skills and transfer them and use them in other venues, that's what differentiates those that kind of shrivel up and say, I'm done, versus people who reinvent, reinvent, reinvent. And, you know, the message, I really hope people are being inspired by your story, not just from the author standpoint and this book's coming out. I mean, what a great success story. But here, midlife, not only did you reinvent yourself, you know, to go back to school while your kids were in college, right, get take that your own college debt to become a teacher, but here, taking all of that experience over the 29 years, which, by the way, doesn't go away just because you lost the job, and reinventing and using it to help others, you know, create their masterpieces and what have So, you know, and here's, we're, I want to take a break. And when we come back, think about this for a second, Tom. Your ability to go back to the children's books and do that creative writing was an awesome outlet for you, right? I think mentally and emotionally, probably, right? Plus it was something productive in your day. I want you to share when we come back that how many days were not maybe so happy-go-lucky and, you know, some scary times, maybe some, some fear in there. And if you can answer, I don't know if you can, but if you can, how did you stay focused and positive even when you felt like, you know, crap? All right, so let's take a break, and then we come back. If you can answer that, that would be, um, I think, helpful for the listeners. It's a shame when you're feeling stuck in your business and you feel like you have nowhere to turn. It's a shame when you slog through long days in your business and you don't get any return. It's a shame when you feel like you can't see the forest for the trees and your business brings you to your knees. Einstein said repeating the same actions over and over won't produce different results. So stop feeling ashamed. Your business and you deserve better. Change that shame into righteous fame. Connie Whitman can tame that shame. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates will help you to discover your new path. And nothing will ever be the same. 
Connie's tried and true one-on-one coaching sessions will tame that shame so you and your business will not continue in vain. Call Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates today at 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Call Connie. Turn that shame into your game. Okay, we are back. We have about 14 minutes left with Tom Zicolo. He is a author who just wrote a series of children's books, and it came, they're, they're out, right? You have them, and they are available yes, for purchase yes. too, Tom, right? Matter of okay. fact, like, um, I wrote a press release that the, my publishing house circulated to 450 news organizations, and they just sent me an email today that told me that, that basically – um, out of the 450, 200 and I think it was 50, had already, um, I guess, responded to the press release. Oh, my God. That's Some amazing. Yes. So in a week, and that- they'll call me back to let me know about the other uh, half of that group uh, and whether you know there's been any kind of a response from them as well. I I wish you total success with this. I I just I'm so excited for you. You know I can't even I can't even tell you. It's just awesome to be living living your dream right after all these years. Now, when during that whole time where you had lost the job before you went became a teacher and really ran down this road of the, the self publishing, making all these decisions. You know, how did you stay focused and positive? If you can share some tips, I know everybody appreciates that because you lived through it, so your tips are real. Well, basically, I think I had tried to create my own resume and cover letter first. And um, St. Catherine's in in, um, in Homedale has a resource mm-hmm. center uh, for anyone who um, needs help with um, – I guess reemployment after they've lost a position, and there are uh, there are a bunch of um, professionals that volunteer their time to try to work with individuals to help them. Um, well, if you want to say you know reinvent yourself, sure. Um, but you know there's encouragement, there's advice, um, and and I can tell you that um, I actually when I met with the group, um, they told me, oh, I think you know you should have your resume professionally done, and of course I did that, and then went back, and they took apart that resume as well, and I was flabbergasted because I had paid several hundred dollars for this resume, and, wow. and these folks, you know, who are in HR and uh, business owners, they just ripped it apart, you know, ripped it to shreds, and I got on the horn to the um, individual who did my you know, resume, and I complained. You Good know, for I, you. And she says, well, I can throw in a cover letter. I was going to charge you for that, but I'll throw that in for free. But Big whoop. That's, 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 that's not the point here. The point is here, these are potential em- employers, and they totally disassembled the entire resume. Wow. So I thought about it, and I said, well, you know what? Maybe... This is something I want to do um, on a part-time basis, you know, get some wow. more information, maybe uh, talk to some people in HR, um, you know, pick a couple of brains and see, you know, what the pulse is on, you know, employers and, and what they're looking for. You know, maybe things have changed. And um, that, that's what I did, you know, so I continue to do that. And, um, you know, my advice to anyone 
out there is that you should seek uh, a professional uh, resume writer like myself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, to help you along the way because you may think that you have a good product, which I mm-hmm. thought I did, and then you know you're you're told it it isn't a good product, and and then you seek professional help, and even that's not good enough. So you know there's definitely something to be said for. Um, Seeking the advice of, of professionals, like I said, this, this particular group, I know my parish, St. Benedict's in Homedale, um, they mentioned St. Catherine's in their newsletters because they've been very helpful. Um, there was a, young, a gentleman by the name of Angelo De Rosa. I don't know mm-hmm. if he's still one of the volunteers, but um, he was definitely um, instrumental, I think, in helping me um, get on the right track. And, you know, Tom, here's, you know, from what you just said, what what a great story. Again, very compelling. But my take, and, and I hope people listening understand this as well, don't isolate yourself. You have to find these groups, you know, even if they're willing to help and talk to you and, you know, help brainstorm and what are you good at and try this, try that. Um, almost little coaches, you know, you did a little coaching as well as some critiquing, you know, hard, hardcore critiquing, you know, that, yeah, that's really stinks. Let's redo the whole thing. A poor guy. And you're like, what? I just spent all this money. So I think you have to be out and around with people. I think you have to be seeking advice and ideas from people because that I also think keep, keeps us grounded and calm. And the other big thing I heard you say is as you were chatting with these people and they were saying, no, this is no good, do this, blah, 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 and you were thinking, wait a minute, I'm a writer, I have a skill, maybe I can talk to these HR people, find the core of what they're looking for in these resumes, and and write professional resumes and make make at least a little money doing that. So you, you seek help, connections, all of those things, which I think is awesome. But from that, and here's the big thing I I keep hearing and everything you're saying throughout this whole conversation we've had over this past, you know, 50 minutes or so, you constantly see opportunity come before you and you make the, you know, you take the lemons and you make them into lemonade. Well, I have to say, I have to piggyback on, on the back of what you said, because it's easy to become a recluse. You know, when you lose your job and feel sorry for yourself, but you really have to get out there and you have to network and you have to socialize because you never know who you're going to meet and how they can help you in some mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. Yeah, and and again, even though you're down, I, I get it. When you when you lose a job, it's it's not fun. You know, your your self worth, your ego, all of these things are a little bruised. You got to get out there. You got to be with people. You got to seek advice. And and again, I, I think that your your story totally is an eye opener. And I really hope people are are listening to that. Um, we just have a couple of minutes left. Are there any other little tips? or ideas that you have for people who are facing change. We're discussing how your employment changed and look at what you did, right? Awesome. Um, published author. Woo-hoo. What tips could you give um, other than what we just said about, you know, being out there that kind of resonate with you or really got you through that tough time? Well, I, I would have to say that you never want to stop promoting yourself. You know, yep. it's, it's so important to just keep, talking to people about what your skills are, you know, what you're capable of doing. 
and then maybe even take a step back, take a deep breath, and think creatively, you know, what else can I do? What other skills maybe have been dormant that could now come to the forefront and help me, you know, find a position that maybe isn't exactly what I'm looking for, mm-hmm. but just to get started, and then you can always branch out, you know, after the fact. I mean, there's there's certainly a lot of pressures. There's a lot of rejection along the way. Yeah. And, um, you know, you just have to jump over those hurdles. You know, there's definitely going to be an obstacle. And keep moving forward, right? And you can't be thin-skinned. I mean, you know, rejection, Mm -hmm. you're probably going to face more rejection than than acceptance. And um, eventually, you know, you will find light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, yeah, well said, very well said. We have just a couple of minutes left. So first thing I want to give is the book title so everybody can write them down. Okay, the first title is I Think I Can Play Baseball. I Think I Can Play Baseball. And the second title is Why Can't Girls Play Baseball. I love that one. You know I love that one. And the third one, uh, which will probably be coming out in April, um, is entitled The B-Team. The B-Team. And I just love that. That is so awesome. Now, um, if they, you, you have a website for these books. I certainly can they do. Purchase them? Can they purchase them on the website or Amazon? How do, how do we get these books? Um, actually, um, I probably will be talking to Amazon uh, later this week. Um okay. I already have a seller's account with them, so I just think it's a matter of me shipping them inventory mm-hmm. um, so they can begin to market those books. But my website is uh, is up and running, mm-hmm. and um, it's called Tom Zacolo's Authors Corner dot com. And I just want to say there's no apostrophe in Zacolo's or authors. Um, everything is plural, but with no um, no punctuation. So it's Tom Zacolo's Authors Corner dot com. All right, I have to ask you. I love I love that uh website name. How did I know you got came up with your name. Okay, I get Tom Zacolo. <laughs> How did you come up with the author corner? I love that. Well, I mean author is kind of self explanatory, but um as I was putting together the website, you know, and, and I always want to have I don't know, bookcases in the background as an author. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's important. Yeah. And um, there is a quote from one of my favorite favorite um, writers of all time, Ernest Hemingway. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, when I was looking at different images, I, I saw some of these corner bookshelves, and it just, mm-hmm. it just hit me. You know, it's funny. I'm laughing because I was picturing a cozy corner <laughs> that you would curl up surrounded by books to read. That's why I, I was just curious how you came up with it, but that was the imagery that came to my head. So it's that coziness of being around books. I love it. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, awesome. Now, do you, if people want to reach you directly to email questions, if they're, you know, upcoming authors or something like that, if they'd like you to, you know, maybe help edit their book or, or talk to them about the publishing um, process, et cetera, can they email you or go Absolutely. to the website? You tell me what's the best way for them to connect with you. Um, certainly um, my email address, it's T 
as in Tom, Zocolo, Z-O-C-C-O-L-O, at Comcast.net. Okay. And um, obviously your response, phone, do you, is it okay if people call you or you'd rather go through the email? I'd rather go through the email. Yeah, me too. I, I, email is, no matter what time of day you can respond, because you work ridiculous hours, that you can, uh, you know, at least come home at night, check emails, and at least get back to people, where sometimes it could be a day or two where you have the time to call back. So email, we have this technology. It's a beautiful thing. Tom, I personally cannot thank you enough. Your your story and the book that has come from your life, right, some of your, your coaching I think is inspiring, but your story about your life and the changes that you've gone through in midlife and how you came through it and the, the, the ideas and tips that you've shared, I, I think are real. I think they're tangible and I think they're very helpful. And I, I really do hope that the, the listeners agree with that and, and got something from this conversation. So from the bottom of my heart, I truly do thank you for your candor and your um, sincerity and everything you said, um, but also, you know, sharing, you know, some dark times. <laughs> so I, I appreciate that. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure being on the show, and I hope your um, listeners uh, appreciate, you know, some of the advice. And uh, certainly there's plenty of encouragement out there. There really is. You, yeah. you have to be open for it, and you have to um, – don't don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. I, I agree. I think that there's resources to inspire and help and just say you can do this. We just have to be open to it, you know? It's humans dealing with humans. It's what we do well, right? Absolutely. Um, I, I thank you again, Tom. Uh, don't hang up yet. Uh, please, I want to just personally say thank you once we go off uh, our live conversation. Everybody out there listening, I hope you guys join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together how to grow and challenge ourselves so that we really can embrace that change and realize that change is possible and easier than we oftentimes think. And as Tom said, there's always help and there's always guidance and inspiration out there. We just have to be open for it. I thank you again, Tom, for being just an awesome guest. Thanks for your insight, information, all that you've shared. And please, guys, go out, support Tom, buy these books, uh, share them with your kids. Let's inspire um, the next generation out there. Uh, again, thank you all for joining me. You've been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. I look forward to seeing you all next week. Go out and inspire someone that week. That's your homework assignment. Thanks again, everybody. You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time may change me, but I can change.